This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you here. As always, thank you for joining so much on this uh, wonderful Monday. Really appreciate you making the time to hang out with me. And those of you who have been joining on the nightly show on Premier Radio Networks. 100 stations across the country. Also, go to iHeart uh, Media's app or go to AmericanNowRadio.com to listen. I appreciate that, team. It's been awesome to have all of you uh, with me there. And every time I get a call and somebody it's kind of fun. It's like the secret handshake of Team Buck whenever someone calls in and I'm on that show and they throw in a little shields high, you know, either at the beginning or the end. So uh, all of you are the greatest. And, and I'm getting calls also in from... Some of the Saturday show folks, which obviously I get a tremendous uh, kick out of that. I really appreciate that, too. Uh, It's amazing that I've been with some of you now for, gosh, it's going on. This is year four, I suppose. So I I really do feel like I know you all, even the ones I haven't spoken to. And uh, I I greatly appreciate every single one of you. It is a gift to be able to spend time with you, even if it sometimes is your ears and my voice. But it it is a gift, and I, I... cannot thank you all enough for it and that so many of you are supportive of my new endeavor and and along with me for all this look if I have the team with me we're going to be very very successful and I make a difference in the lives not just of people who listen to the show I I hope in in ways large and small mostly small but maybe sometimes large Um, but also I think we can have an impact on the national conversation that's coming I don't mean to sound grandiose but we're, we're going to get there um, with all of you by my side, Shields High. That will happen. So thank you all for that. And it's going to be another really exciting week on Buck Saxon with America now. And, of course, here in the Freedom Hut, uh, 12 to 2 on the Blaze Radio Network, as per usual. So uh, some thoughts on the latest. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to see all kinds of activity from the Trump team in the, uh, in the, week, in the week ahead here. Uh, over the weekend, you saw the beginnings of, or sh- I should say, a redo of this fight that's been brewing for a little while over voter ID. You will recall that Trump uh, said not long ago 
that he said that, or was it one of his advisors? I think it was Trump himself. There were three million fake votes and that that cost him the election. And I got to tell you, uh, this notion of three million fake votes, it sounds like a lot to me. And we've had on uh, Mark Krikorian, who's one of these great guys that is super knowledgeable about a subject and completely unpretentious about it and just wants to get the information out there. You know, it's not it's not about him grandstanding. It's just about him telling the American people the truth. I, I think Mark does a great job in the, in the Center for Immigration Studies, which he runs, is a really important organization because on immigration, as much as any issue I can think of, that's a major policy dispute right now. There's so much skewing of the facts and figures to fit political narrative. There's so much going on that is really just a function of them uh, trying to stack the deck for one side and just, oh, we're a nation of immigrants. And, oh, it's, it's, it's horrifying, this idea that we would ever tell anybody they can't stay in this country because they're doing the jobs Americans won't do. It's amazing when you step back and you think about how powerful the propaganda over immigration has been, uh, how much of what we see as uh, immigration is really fed to us subliminally. I mean, you, using the tactics of you know, advertising agencies and, and, and propaganda uh, so that your first reaction is always, you know, we're a nation of immigrants. I mean, that's been so uh, seared into all of our brains and that there are jobs that wouldn't get done, that our fields would go unpicked or fallow or whatever, you know, that our agricultural sector would fall apart if it wasn't for illegal immigrant labor. When in reality, there are a lot of, there have been plenty of studies and, and instances that have been studied of mechanization of farms that, yeah, uh, once they do that, it's an upfront investment, but then they don't have to worry about personnel costs and they don't have to employ illegal, illegal labor to do it. So you just hear all this stuff and look, the, the desire to sound smart for all of us is very real all of the time. And I'm not saying that it influences all of our opinions. And, and look, if I wanted to sound smart in the, in the big sense of things, in the, ooh, how can this advance my career? I'm, I'm, a, Manhattan born, uh, I'm a Manhattan born and raised kid who would be in much professionally, in many more options, much better shape, and would be surrounded by people who would want to hear my opinions. I would get invited at my former employer, the Council on Foreign Relations, to go talk about things. I'd be invited to speak at NYU. I'd be invited to speak. I don't mean just by the college Republicans. I mean by the university. If I were a liberal, if I just adopted those postures, honestly, it would it would help me. Uh, it would help me socially. I'm sure if I were an MSNBC approved or CNN liberal approved uh, left wing pundit, I'd be doing all kinds of fun things out on the dating scene and it would be great for me. Right. But that's just not who I am and that's not what I'm about. And so I spend my time with you trying to bring you the truth. Uh, but I'm always aware of the fact that on for, especially for people that follow politics as more of a, as a, I shouldn't say a hobby that diminishes it, but it, it's a part of their daily routine, but it's not, it's not what their career is about. It's not what their profession is about. People want to sound like they're informed and to sound informed and sound informed sounds smart, really the same thing. And on immigration, that means repeating certain mantras. And, and quite honestly, on on voting, it also means repeating 
certain mantras. Uh, the left has really pushed this idea for for at least for a couple of decades now that there's no such thing as voter fraud. And this pops up and, and people who think of themselves as really erudite, as really well-informed will say things like there's no such thing as voter fraud. And then you do a quick Google search and you'll find out, as we saw over this past weekend, or I think it was on Friday that this, this came, in, came out in the news, that a, a Texas woman has received eight years in prison for being a non-citizen who has re, who's voted multiple times. And at least according to the prosecution, and look, I say that, I haven't read the court transcripts myself yet. I'm going to try to track them down. But at least according to the prosecution, which you got to always take that with a big grain of salt because the prosecutors are trying to get something done and they're obviously invested in a certain narrative that's not always... It's not always a neutral middle ground. In fact, it rarely is. It's usually trying to destroy the defendant. Uh, but they say that the jury, because eight years sounds like a long time for voter fraud, I'll be honest with you. And the jury, you, you, don't get, you won't necessarily get eight years for like stabbing somebody in, in, in the neck with a pen. I mean, uh, well, maybe you will, but it depends on what happens to them. Um, but eight years would seem like a long time. But the prosecutor said that the jury clearly thought that this was done with forethought and uh, malice of intent. Uh, so I will dig into that one more. But the, the the underlying point here is that clearly there's voter fraud because people are going to prison for voter fraud. So it's a real thing that exists. Um, but the debate over voter fraud is fraught with all these other um, subplots on the political scene. And we see that the, the left is very, they become very uncomfortable when you start to push on this a little bit. And... Just imagine for a second, as a thought, as a thought experiment, which I know I like to do here on the show. But imagine, if you would, that there are that, that there were a hundred thousand illegal votes cast in this last election. Now, given that there are at least eleven million illegal immigrants in the country, and given that there are plenty of people who are permanent residents who are not allowed to vote, right? Green card does not equal voting. Is 100,000 of, let's say, that number of, I don't know, 15 or 20 million, just as a guess, of people who are in the United States, in the boundaries, that you know, on the territory of the United States that are here but are not legally allowed to vote. If it's 15 or 20 million, does 100,000 of them voting sound like a huge number to you? It doesn't sound like a huge number to me. Sounds like what I would what I would I don't think it's three million. I, I can't go along with what the Trump team says until they act until they give me real evidence that they're not just pulling this out of thin air. But a hundred thousand, yeah, I could I could believe that for, for sure. Across the entirety of the country with what about over a hundred and twenty million votes cast or something, whatever it was, uh, or over a hundred million votes cast. Uh, then I, I would think that a hundred thousand votes that are illegal votes, many of them, by the way, not done with uh, malice, many of them not necessarily instances of people who are voting and who are doing so specifically to undermine the integrity of our election processes. And and, and I, I completely concur. I, I get that. And now that doesn't mean it's not a huge problem for our democratic system or as people put it's a republic, not a democracy. I know, but can we, you know, we have voting and it's... <laughs> I don't want to get too, you're going to get too bogged down on this. This is like when people say it's not 2468, who do we appreciate? It is 2468, whom do we appreciate? You know, at the end of a sports event, that's what we used to have to do, at least when I was a kid. 
two, four, six, eight. Whom do we appreciate? People will throw their mitts and you know baseball hats at you. But anyway, uh, this looking at this now, it's it's a huge debate because even if it's only a hundred thousand votes, well, you look at the margins of victories a victory in key states and. You start to spread that around and, you know, 10 or 15,000 votes here or there in the presidential election could really matter. And who knows? It depends on where they are, right? In the case of Florida in 2000, hundreds of votes mattered. And that was the deciding state. So voting and uh, election integrity is a really important issue because why did we all sit around and accept Barack Obama as commander in chief for eight years? Well, despite the fact that I think that he was uh, ideologically um, very damaging to the country, and I think he was very divisive, and I think he had bad... Po- all of that. I mean, we could, I could speak about that for the whole show today. I'm not going to do that because we're in the Trump era now, and only as a means of illustrating today do I plan to reach back into the Obama years. So it'll happen, but I'm going to try not to be somebody who well, Obama was terrible, so what Trump does isn't that bad. I mean, you know. I think that's I think that can get lazy. So I'm going to try to only do that as necessary. Um, But I accepted Obama as president, as a U.S. citizen, because I was of the belief and under the impression. And, you know, you you could start to go down a conspiracy theorist route here with, well, you don't really know, do you, Buck? And no, I don't know. I don't get to count the votes myself. But I have a it is a belief founded on evidence which can be provided. And I think that's where it becomes more than just belief as in almost a a theological belief or something, but it is a belief that the system uh, had votes cast and that a Barack Obama, at the end of the day, won more votes than both John McCain and Mitt Romney. And I believe that. And so I, I had to accede to his authority as president of the United States as a U.S. citizen and actually hope that he would do some good things, too. I wasn't, I wasn't somebody who just was on the I hate Obama, everything Obama does is terrible train. I, I really wanted him to do things that I'd say, wow, he's surprising me. That's, you know, if, if Obama had, I promise you this, if Obama had said, we're going to have a flat tax of 15%, I would have been out there with a yay Obama sign on the street, okay? I would have been one of those people that takes time out of their day to you know, stand around with a sign that people can take photos of at some protest or demonstration about how great Obama was doing on that one issue. I, I wouldn't say, oh, flat tax, if Obama pushes it, it's terrible. No. Because you know what? I don't want to pay what I have to pay in taxes. I think 15% overall would be great. And no more no more of this games and deductions and paying an accountant. No, no, no. So I would have been all for that. Um, but, you know, what, what I see... Oh, anyway, so you get what I'm saying about the process. So we got to believe in the process. It really matters. Imagine there are 100,000 votes cast that are, illegal, that are illegal votes. That undermines faith in the process a lot. And, and recall the Democrats were very sanctimonious on this issue when they thought that Hillary, when they were sure Hillary was going to win, it was all how Trump wasn't going to accept the results. Well, Trump did win. And Hillary's people didn't really accept the results. The media has tried to undermine the results with the whole Russian hacking and fake news. And we've gone over this a bunch of times. What if 100,000 fake votes were cast? People keep saying, well, there's no evidence of that. There's definitely a lot of smoke. I'm not saying we see a big blazing fire, but there is smoke. People register to vote in multiple states. That's concerning. The biggest concern, though, has to do with something we've discussed before on this show, which is the motor voter law that registers people who can get driver's licenses. And you can get a driver's license, as you know, in states like California without 
providing any form of uh, citizenship, right? You don't have to be a citizen. You can get a driver's license. So there's talent. They're giving people, many of whom do not speak very good, if any, English. And they're giving them a form that says, you know, here's your driver's license. And, oh, vote. Register to vote. Here's your registration. Well, it's understandable. And we've talked, as again, Mark Krikorian talked about this on this show over at the Center for Immigration Studies. It's understandable why somebody who's given that form would think, okay, well, I'm allowed to vote now. And that doesn't make it okay. It does. I think it does relieve their criminal responsibility for voting at, at some level. But I think also this is why do Democrats want voter registrations passed out of the DMV along with clearly there's a conflation going on there. Clearly there's some possibility of this happening. Anyway, I want to get into the details of this because I think it's a real issue. I think the Trump team is handling it poorly, unsurprising to many of you to hear me say that, I'm sure. But I, I think they're making this harder on themselves than it has to be. And I'll have more thoughts for you on this in just a second, team. Uh, 888-900-3393 is the phone. The lines are open. I'll be right back. Let your voice be heard. Hello. 888-900-3393. On the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Buck Sexton, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey team, welcome back. Great to have you here in the Freedom Hunt with me as always. Don't forget to tune in tonight to Buck Sexton with America Now, syndicated on over 100 stations across the country. Yeah! Uh, You just go to AmericanOutRadio.com if you want to listen live uh, at 6 to 9 Eastern, or you can listen to On Demand. And we are working on a download of that podcast, just so you know. I know it's not downloadable, but it is playable on your smartphone or on your computer. So you can listen whenever you want. It's just not, can't really retrieve it. It have to be logged into the, not logged, I mean, you have to be on the site. So go to AmericanOutRadio.com slash podcast for that. Uh, so I want to talk to you a bit about the way the Trump team is handling this. Um, over the weekend, Fox News, major story, they were running on it with enormous evidence, according to a Trump advisor, this guy, Stephen Miller who's really young, he's 31 years old. I never even heard of this guy before. I don't know really anything about him. Trump apparently loves him. Uh, but he was on with George Stephanopoulos over the weekend, Mr. Fancy George, uh, who is a $100 million man for ABC News. Why? I don't know. It's just good to be hooked up with the Clintons and the Democrat left, I guess. 
Now, this guy is replaceable by about a thousand different news anchors, but they want to pay him a hundred million dollars. I guess it's technically what the market will bear. It's at least what executives at ABC will pay him. But here's how some of the exchange went. I'll play it for you. As well, President Trump again uh, this week suggested in a meeting with senators that thousands of illegal voters were bused from Massachusetts to New Hampshire, and that's what caused his def uh, his defeat in the state of New Hampshire, also the defeat of, of Senator Kelly Ayotte. That has provoked a response from a member of the Federal Election Commission, Ellen Weintraub, who says, I call upon the president to immediately share New Hampshire voter fraud evidence so that his allegations may be investigated promptly. Uh, do you have that evidence? I've actually, having worked before on a campaign in New Hampshire, I can tell you that this issue of busing voters into New Hampshire is widely known by anyone who's worked in New Hampshire politics. It's very real. It's very serious. This morning on this show is not the venue for me to lay out all the evidence, but I can tell you this. Voter fraud is a serious problem in this country. You have millions of people who are registered in two states or who are dead or who are registered to vote, and you have 14% of non-citizens according to academic research, at a, at a minimum, are registered to vote, which is an astonishing statistic. You can't there make is, a, hold on a second. You just claimed again that there was illegal voting in, in New Hampshire, people busting from the state of Massachusetts. Do you have evidence I'm to back anybody, that up? I'm saying George. All right, so hold on. First of all, don't you love how Stephanopoulos isn't even hiding his contempt for this guy at all? On other shows, you know, if you're on CNN and you're a Democrat, the way they ask this question is, well, wait, can you clarify for me? You know, they do it in a way that it shows respect, even if they're going to push back on a non-answer to the claim. Here, Stephanopoulos is going after this guy. He's letting everybody at home know, I don't like this guy. I think he's a clown. Hey, anyway, we're going to hit this more team on the other side of the brick. I'll be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Sexton Show. Speak your mind. 888-900-3393. Hey team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Uh, sponsor this hour is silencershop.com. There is simply no place that is better for you to go than silencershop.com to get a silencer for your firearm. They have the best selection, they have the best prices, and if you're going to do the paperwork right, these are the guys that can help you get it done right and quickly and effectively so that you can wait the minimum amount of time and get yourself a silencer. Once you do, you're going to love it. It makes the whole shooting experience more enjoyable, and it means you're going to have more fun wherever you're shooting, wherever you are, out there on the range, indoor, outdoor, you name it. You want to protect your ears, enjoy yourself more. Go to silencershop.com. Again, that is silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. Okay, so back to uh, Stephanopoulos, Mr. Stephanopoulos, and Stephen Miller on this exchange, this testy exchange, right? Because right before we ended the break, we had Stephanopoulos being uh, very terse with Miller because he doesn't have to show this guy any respect. He doesn't have to, you know, he can just be as nasty to him as he wants to be, and that's all well and good. That's all fine um, because he's showing his audience that I detest this guy because he's part of the Trump squad. Now, this Miller guy is not exactly a, a warm and fuzzy, charming, suave individual, I have to say. He comes across to me as, as a little uh, a, a little smug. Gotta, I gotta, I'm just going to say it. He's a little smug. Um, and he doesn't answer the key question that's posed to him here, which is where is the evidence of it? 
I'm hoping that the Trump team at some point is going to provide some of this evidence because I do think it is I think it's out there. And if they can't really provide smoking gun evidence of actual voting uh, voter fraud going on, then they should at least show the circumstantial evidence. And that's really what they've that's really what they've done so far. I always find it fascinating, by the way. I think this is from generations now that have, have grown up watching Law and Order. Um, where oh here here's a spoiler for you the show Law and Order it's always the uh, it's always the the preppy white guy who's the who's actually the murderer if that's an option if preppy white guy is an option on Law and Order uh, pr- pr- preferably one uh, preferably one preferably can you say that or preferably two uh, one who has you know, a mom who's always walking around with like a, a mink on her shoulders and who's like, well, like we didn't think if we left Johnny alone for the weekend, you know, we didn't know that he'd end up murdering somebody. You know, it's a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of that on Law and Order. I'm just saying. Uh, so whenever that's an option, whenever a uh, rich white guy is an option for the possible murderers or rapists on Law and Order, that, that's your guy. That's your guy. It's just something I've noticed. Uh, Ann Coulter's actually pointed it out in one of her books, too. I thought it was really funny because I. I agree. It's a surprisingly common. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, there's a little bit of class warfare stuff going on with law and order. Anyway, people always say, oh, that evidence is circumstantial. Oh, that evidence is circumstantial. As though if your lawyer walked into a court of law and was like, I mean, can you prove that my guy was there? Do you have an eyewitness? No, we're out of here. No, it doesn't work like that. What it really comes down to is when you're in a criminal trial, what does the jury think? They believe you or not. And circumstantial evidence, when it's strong enough, sends people to prison all the time. Circumstantial evidence. You look at, uh, here, here's a good, you look at the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of that evidence. Was, there was no eyewitness, right? So they had no eyewitness testimony that he was there. So it was all based on you know the DNA and everything else. And everybody, who I think, who has... Any basic faculties of, of reason and judgment assessment, of course, is like, well, that guy's guilty. But it's all the evidence was all circ. It was circumstantial. It was just overwhelming circumstantial evidence. But that's the case uh, in in many of these uh, instances where people should go or do go to prison for a long period of time. So uh, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence around voter fraud. Um, you, there's some direct evidence, but it's it's de minimis right now. But there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. If it's not happening, we should know. And if it is happening, we definitely need to know. So why there's but there's such hostility. And here's the problem. I'm just going to put it out there. There's hostility from Democrats about this, because if we find out that there's real voter fraud, we know they're complicit. We know they're complicit in this. They are pushing for the uh, for more lax, uh, more loose, open ended voter rules all the time. Every time voter ID they don't like, uh, they want they want people being able to vote over long periods of time. They just in every way, in every way that they possibly can, they are opposed to strengthening protections over uh, voter ID, voter ID, and and strengthening the protections we have in place to prevent voter fraud during elections. And it would be clear to any honest, reasonable American. That if there was widespread voter fraud, and if they and if this was proven, when I mean widespread, I mean I think fifty thousand, a hundred thousand votes. I think that's a big deal. 
I think even 10,000 votes, depending on the circumstances. I mean, not necessarily in a presidential election it would matter, but it could. But that's a big deal. Especially when you figure you can probably prevent this. I mean, look at the way that they treat guns. You know, they want massive databases and fingerprinting and and all sorts of, you know, they did everything. I mean, they just, you know, they put you through, and especially in these blue states, they put you through all kinds of stuff. So you, it's a constitutionally protected right. And they make it as difficult as possible. With voting, there's there's no uh, there's no process that you can put in place. There's nothing that you can do when it comes to uh, voting and voter ID that they will view as legitimate. It's just walk in and vote. They're not okay with any checks on the system, with any, because they say, oh, it disenfranchises people. It disenfranchises minorities. In states where they have free ID for people, where you need ID to open a checking account, where you need ID to get into a, a commercial office building, where you need, I mean, there's all sorts of things where you need ID. But no, 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 no. They, they've got a problem with it. They, they are not okay with it. So that's what, what's at issue here is really the integrity of the Democratic Party. Ultimately, that's why there's such uh, anger whenever you raise this, because they don't want they don't want this to be exposed. Look, there are Democrats, there are leftists who would like it if there was cheating going on. They don't care at all. We've seen organizations that are pushing for that, that sort of thing. We've seen organizations and individuals who clearly whatever they have to do to win, they'll do. But I mean, for the the middle uh, let's call it the middle 60%, not the 20% hard right, not the 20% hard left, although that's that's a completely imperfect extrapolation of, but I'm just saying, the, the middle 60% of America, maybe the middle 40% of America, there we go. Uh, for the middle 40% of America, politically speaking, they see the Democratic Party giving up their franchise, giving up the franchise of citizens for non-citizens and doing it knowing that it's happened with a reckless disregard for basic procedures that could stop it from happening, I think that that's, I think that's a game changer. Now, I, I, I don't know if it's happening. I do know that it's an issue that should get really serious. I mean, you know, the same way. It's funny because they would lecture us on how, oh, you know, what do we... Meanwhile, they're the ones crying. Oh, show us how voter fraud matters, but they're crying about climate change all the time. Some, someone show me how in America climate change... Oh, then they're going to talk about how there's what wetter storms or bigger storms, and it's not even true, and... It's nonsense. But they're going to tell us about how we should spend really trillions of dollars on combating an imaginary problem. I'm not saying it's an imaginary phenomenon. The climate does get warmer. The climate does get colder. And that does change things. But that this is some crisis that we all have to address is just complete and utter nonsense. Um, but I'm not, uh, you know, they'll lecture us on that. And then we talk about voter ID or, or voting uh, voter protections, and they've got they got nothing for us. They got absolutely uh, nothing that they are willing to compromise on. They're so clearly in the tank for illegal voting; it is insane. Um, and uh, in the tank for legal voting, strong way to put it. But they don't care. They because they figure that anybody who's going to be voting illegally is most likely going to be voting Democrat. That's their because of look who's in this country who's an adult who's not allowed to vote felons. Okay, they always want it. They always try to look at Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. They're always trying to find ways to give felons the right to vote again. So they're already on board for giving felons the right to vote. And then you look at some of the other uh, possible places where it's like, well, permanent residents and illegal immigrants. 
you know, non-citizen residents and illegal immigrants. That's where, and we know that they vote overwhelmingly Democrats. So that's what this is all about. But I don't think the Trump team is making that case effectively. Here's more of the exchange with Stephanopoulos and Steve Miller. Go to New Hampshire, talk to anybody who's worked in politics there for a long time. Everybody's aware of the problem in New Hampshire with respect to I'm asking you as the White House senior with po- Hold on to- a second. I'm asking you as the White House senior policy advisor. The president made a statement saying he was the victim of voter fraud. People the being president, the from president, Massachusetts the president New was. Do you and, have and any evidence? Look at how just, just smarmy and disrespectful to this guy Miller Stephanopoulos is. People say, oh, he's just being a journalist. Do you think George Stephanopoulos would speak in that tone, in that way, to David Axelrod, Valerie, when they when Obama was president, David Axelrod, Valerie Jarrett, name your senior White House advisor. Do, do you think that he'd take, not that he would push back, I'm sure he'd push back sometimes, you know, do the whole dog and pony show of look at me, look at me, I'm a journalist. But with the snide, sneering tone, really listen to the exchange. You can tell Stephanopoulos is signaling to his audience that this guy Miller is disgusting and I hate Trump. If this is an issue that interests you, then we can talk about it more in the future. And we now have our governance beginning to get stood up, but we have the Department of Justice and we have more officials. An issue of voter fraud is something we're going to be looking at very seriously and very hard. But the reality is, is that we know for a fact you have massive numbers of non-citizens registered to vote in this country. Nobody disputes that. And many, many highly qualified people like Chris Kobach, the Kansas Secretary of State have looked deeply into this issue and have confirmed it to be true and have put together evidence. And I suggest you invite Chris Kobach onto your show and he can walk you through some of the evidence of voter fraud have, in have, greater detail. Right, just for the right, you have provided absolutely no evidence. The president's made a statement. Uh, the White House has provided enormous evidence with respect to voter fraud, with respect to people being registered in more than one state, dead people voting, non-citizens being registered to vote. George, it is a fact, and you will not deny it, that there are many... No, he will. He will deny it, by the way. Massive numbers of non-citizens in this country who are registered to vote. That is a scandal. We should stop the presses. And as a country, we should be aghast about the fact that you have people who have no right to vote in this country registered to vote, canceling out the franchise of lawful citizens of this country. That's the story we should be talking about. And I'm prepared to go on any show, anywhere, anytime and repeat it and say the president of the United States is correct. One hundred percent. Well, you re- you just repeated that you just made those declarations. But for the record, you provided zero evidence that the president was the victim of massive voter fraud in New Hampshire. You provided we, we, zero evidence. Anyone who's worked in New on. Hampshire politics is familiar with that You provided zero evidence that the president's claim that he would have won the general, the, the popular if the, if three to five million illegal immigrants hadn't voted. Zero evidence for either one of those claims. Well, it's, it's, it's Thanks right. a lot for joining us this issue. morning. Yeah. Thanks a lot for, yeah, that really sounded authentic, didn't it? I, I know I'm focusing on the tone here a little bit, but really, thanks a lot, you jerk, is what he's saying there. Uh, look, I this guy Miller, he should have more than just the suggestions of voter fraud. He should come, he should come ready to play. And saying Chris Kobach has more evidence, well, Chris Kobach's not on TV, man, so... You got to get this done yourself. But then there's another version of, of, of events here that you can take or another perspective on this. And that is the following, that the Trump team, by antagonizing, just by simply antagonizing the media, the Trump team wins. That the Trump team, just by getting the media so fired up and riled up on this issue, is winning in a sense. I don't know. If, I'm not saying that's true, but... 
I do think a lot of Trump supporters just like it when he or his surrogates goad uh, goads the media. I really do. All right, team, we got to hit a break. I'll be right back. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Hey team, welcome back. So in case you needed uh, any more evidence about how the media plays the game that they play, you've got David Brooks over at the New York Times, one of their two conservative columnists. Ross Douthat is much, much better uh, in general than, than Brooks is, better writer and, and also more willing to be actually conservative on some issues. But here is here is the New York Times version of a of a conservative on Trump and the immigration, uh, the immigration ban. So whether it's unconstitutional or not, I leave to others. But it certainly has sucked the wind out of two uh, or three weeks of this administration for no good reason. There is uh, there has never been evidence that people from these countries are disproportionately likely to commit terrorist acts. We've sent chaos to the airports. We've offended the world. Uh, we've derailed the administration. We've done it in such an incompetent way, the administration has, that people with perfectly res- legal residents have been widely inconvenienced. Uh, and so it's just been a, a, a screw-up from beginning to end. Uh, and so it's just been a running um, derailment. And markets are- Yeah, there's a real, there's a real stalwart conservative. First of all, I love this dodge of, well, I, don't, I leave it to others if it's conservative. Really, dude, you're an opinion columnist. All you do is read and write all day long or, you know, theoretically. And you have no opinion on whether this is constitutional or not? Yeah, right. Just because you know that you'll get crushed on that argument. It's obviously a constitutional uh, obviously a constitutional action, and he knows he would lose that debate if he was ever forced on it, so he just defers. But I also love this. There's no greater no greater risk of, of terrorism from individuals in those countries, really. Does he look at the country reports on terrorism from the State Department? I, is he aware of the prevalence of terrorism in Iraq by Iraqis, in Yemen by Yemenis, in, I mean, just go down the list, in Somalia by Somalis? Yeah, they suffer from that terrorism and it's even worse in the Muslim world than it is here. But this blanket statement that there's no greater likelihood for there to be terrorism from those countries than there is anywhere else, that's just insane. Does he really does he really think that an Iraqi is no more likely by the numbers statistically to commit terrorism than somebody from Estonia? Does he really think that? I mean, is he a moron? No, he's just a politically correct wimp. And this is the New York Times version of a conservative. Just want to point that all out to you. Our team, our two coming up. 888-900-3393. The Buck will be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 